Hey guys, welcome to the shit show of my 20s. On this episode, I spoke with Noshaba. We talk about her journey from being in a job in a toxic environment to leaving that job and being on unemployment for several months. And then she started a retail job and she gave herself a plan. She said, I'm going to build my business. I'm going to stay at the shop for this amount of time and then I'm going to leave. We talk about how she created her business, where she finds her clients and an alternative route of maybe college doesn't feel like it's in alignment for you. I hope you guys enjoy listening. Thank you so much, Noshiba, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to hearing about your story. Tell me about you and what your journeys look like so far. Thank you so much, Sophia, for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, so my name is Noshiba Ferdos, for anyone who doesn't know me or is new to um, hearing about me. And I am a business coach from Washington, D.C., and I help female coaches and service providers all over the world start and scale their online businesses. It's a really rewarding job, and I, I truly love what I do, and I, I finally feel like what I'm doing now is what I've always meant to do, you know? Um, but it wasn't always this way. Uh, my entire life, I sort of set out a path for myself in which I was going to be a lawyer. And so I kind of organized everything around my life and, and my school and programs and everything, college, majors, everything around this goal of becoming a lawyer, just because I sort of felt I might be a good fit for it. But then I also had a little bit of, you know, family and cultural pressure to sort of push me in that direction. So I just went along with it, just like a common story for a lot of um, first generation Americans. And um, I, I did that. And so I, I followed that path, political science, debate, you know, the, the, the whole nine yards. But when I got to college, I realized very shortly into college that it wasn't the right fit for me. And I continued to freelance in creative fields um, that, that I really enjoyed. So I was doing freelance makeup artistry. I was I was a freelance model. I was freelance writing for these businesses. Um, that needed all sorts of copywriting from boring, you know, product descriptions to really fun stuff like writing a fashion like guide. Um, and I realized through there, you know what, I really love writing. I love creative writing and I enjoy working with these businesses. So I started to work one-on-one um, -on -one with businesses locally and helping them with their content strategy and their visuals and some creative direction. And that's sort of what eventually launched me to do what I do now, which is helping businesses, you know, make more money essentially online. Though at that time I was working more with e-commerce. So I don't do that as much now. I primarily work with people who are selling their own services and their own, um, their own skills, um, and not any particular product. But throughout that whole journey of freelancing, I also got an opportunity to work in journalism. I had a blog that was all about beauty and lifestyle content. And it was not really in my first person perspective. It was really just like, kind of, it was kind of like a, um, as if you were just on a, uh, like some sort of beauty website. And I was really proud of it. And I just took the courage one day to take some of my best articles and send it to a few magazines. And to my surprise, I got a reply back from an editor-in-chief editor at the largest beauty magazine in the U.S., and she wanted my voice on her pages. So that sort of kind of gave me an inspiration I needed to keep going with this freelance career, and eventually I saw something online in a, in a women's entrepreneur group on Facebook talking about how this woman was going to offer me a strategy call to help me start and launch an online business from home. And long story short, that's what I did, <laughs> and here I am now. 
And what drew you initially into coaching? Like, what were you doing before you started coaching? So I feel like I have always been um, really passionate about teaching people things. So even when I was doing makeup artistry, I found myself also teaching people makeup artistry lessons, whether it was someone who was a makeup artist, like burgeoning and trying to become a makeup artist themselves or just regular everyday women who wanted to learn to apply better makeup on themselves. I was also throughout high school and middle school, I was tutoring kids K through five one-on-one, um, you know, helping them with their school subjects because I really enjoyed that. Um, and when I was on photo shoots as a model, I found, I found myself kind of consulting, kind of like giving advice or kind of adding in my two cents when it definitely wasn't needed <laughs> for these businesses. And I really enjoyed it. And so I, I feel like I always was meant to teach in some way. And initially when I, uh, decided to create my coaching business, it was a copy coaching business. Um, but even before that, I was going to teach people how to have successful blogs, you know, so like that idea never came to fruition, but it was an idea. Um, but again, it had to do with teaching. And then because I'm so, so passionate about copy and writing and everything around that, I became a copy coach for a couple months, then transitioned to the business coaching because I realized how intertwined copy was with business marketing. And when you were leaving your full-time job to start coaching, did you set up a plan like, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to leave? How did you structure it? Yeah, so when I actually graduated college, as you know, as I mentioned, I was definitely not going to be a lawyer, definitely not going to be pursuing law school. So I sort of tried my very best to find jobs within creative fields of journalism or PR or communications of some sort. Um, and it was really difficult. You know, the jobs that were hot um, were really in – the two opposite ends of America, New York and LA, and that's not where I lived. And I did pursue it, but I, it wasn't the best fit for me. And so I did find a job eventually um, that I worked in. And the journey is kind of, it's, it's a little crazy. I, I got to be a fashion content writer for this business and it seemed like the perfect fit. You know, it seemed exactly what I should be doing. Um, it unfortunately turned out to be a really toxic environment with, um, really not the best uh, people managing the company and I wasn't treated well and the people around me were treated even worse um, because of their situations were a little less fortunate than mine I guess um, due to their legal uh, working status and um, and that kind of thing so they were there more so as on a work visa and I was a U.S. citizen and so they would tell me you know no Chiba, you're a U.S. citizen you shouldn't you shouldn't work here it's not a good place and that broke my heart and eventually I was fired from that place um, and that was a huge shock to me being you know in the age group I am a millennial you know we don't really face a ton of projection I think so it was really rough for me so I was then unemployed for nine months which is something that not a lot of people know about me at all. Not even some people in my personal life know this about me, but I was unemployed for nine months. Um, and it was a very embarrassing, shameful, scary time. And I went into a depression and I was really, really down and couldn't get myself up to work and to apply to a job because I was so scared of being rejected when I got there. Um, so I kind of held myself back and the way I got myself out of that is I said, you know what, let's just start small. Let's start working like, you know, a job that maybe you had worked in before, so you're guaranteed to get, get approved. And I'd worked in beauty retail throughout college. So I was like, you know, whatever, let's just go back to that. And so I did do that. And the pay was good. Um, so I had the experience. And I had this plan where I said, you know what, six months into starting this business, I'm going to quit this beauty retail job. And the business I'm 
very lucky, uh, but it was also a lot of hard work. I was able to quit two months in, so four months earlier than expected because I was doing well and I was able to leave that retail job. So that was sort of the plan, six months, careful planning, but then I got to throw it out the window because things were going better than expected. And how did you cope with being unemployed? When I was unemployed, I felt like, honestly, Sophia, I was living truly like a, a double life. Mm. Um, so at that time, I was single. So I was meeting, you know, new guys going on dates and, um, you know, being in a lot of social settings, meeting new friends and things like that. And I did not feel comfortable telling those people that I was unemployed. Mm. Um, I feel like as millennials, we're both there's two things you know people expect millennials to be lazy because they're young and you know they're young dumb and stupid but then at the same time they think well no millennials have all opportunity at their fingertips they must be extremely successful and it's it's kind of strange that we have both of those expectations where um they're very very uh opposite on the very opposite ends of each other and so of course i did not feel comfortable telling my peers that i was unemployed and um you know, so, so young and it had a college degree and it just, it just didn't fit and make sense. And, um, only really close people in my life knew like my best friend, my, my two sisters, um, my parents, believe it or not, did not know. Wow. I did not tell them. I think a lot of people find that shocking. Yeah. Like you, wow. You didn't tell your parents you were unemployed for nine months and your parents didn't know. Uh, yeah. My parents didn't know because I was very uh, ashamed to tell them based off of, um, the hopes and aspirations they had for me of going to law school anyway. Um, so they were thrilled when I did get that job, you know, they were supportive when I came around and told them that, Hey, I want to work in more creative fields, um, with businesses. And so then when I got that job, they were thrilled. They thought it was really cool. Um, that I didn't even have to go to LA or New York to get one, but you know, I didn't want to tell them that it turned out horribly wrong, but I ended up just, you know, picking myself up and realizing, you know what, I have to start somewhere. So I think a good way to get yourself out of the mindset of, of fear of failure is just start small. When we start thinking about a too big of a goal of like, we are starting to look all the way at the finish line, that starts to freak us out. And so I started to think of the finish line of, you know, having a great job, getting married, having kids and all, it's just like all this future stuff. But I just told myself, stop, calm down. Just start with an application to somewhere mm -hmm. really, really simple that probably isn't going to reject you. And so I looked to a field in which I'd probably, you know, I'd I'd probably be well-favored. I'd already worked in it, you know, beauty retail. So I did that, got the job, and um, it's just been such a blessing for me since then. And what's your favorite part of your business? I think my favorite part of my business, um, being a coach, is being able to help. First of all, I really, I would say like there's kind of two parts working with women all over the world. Like I have a client from Malta. I didn't even know where that was. And it's like an island off the coast of Italy. Um, I have clients in Croatia, South Africa, um, all over the U.S. from coast to coast. So it's so amazing meeting all these different women. But the thing is, they have the same goal, mission. They make the same mistakes. They have the same triumphs. It's like it's so amazing and so uniting to see that and to work alongside with them and help them grow and I would say the second best thing you know I know you asked for one but I have to say the second thing is you know first is the diversity and but also how similar we also are but the second thing is like being able to help them be self-sustainable you know mm -hmm. to to create these businesses for themselves and not need to rely on anyone else for money to only rely on themselves and to um 
to kind of like live this life of freedom that they've always wanted because it's what I got. I'd always wanted to work from home for myself on my own terms. I didn't think that was ever going to be possible, but because I made it possible, I really wanted to show other women that it is so, so, so doable if you just put in the work. And do you think everyone should have a side hustle? Um, I would actually say no. Um, and the reason why I say that is because I think that there's some people, I think it's glorified to like leave your nine to five and start your own business. And that's a very glorified thing to say, like to trash a nine to five and say, you should work for yourself and have your own business. But honestly, Sophia, I don't think that entrepreneurism is for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that it's not going to be everyone's passion. Not everyone's going to have the same drive. It takes a lot of drive, a lot of passion, and a lot of skill. You know, skill is the last thing. You know, you need a lot of drive and passion first to even keep something like a business of your own alive. Um, And so I think there are a lot of people that I know in my personal life who love working at 9 to 5 or a 10 to 6 or a 8 to five, right to four, whatever. A lot of people love that. I know people who love their retail jobs and they love working at the mall. And it's just not for everybody. Um, I don't think everybody needs a side hustle. I think if you are yearning for that when you're working your nine to five, go for it. And don't, you know, don't put out that fire if you feel it. But don't also be pressured by everyone else doing that if you know that your heart's not in it. Some people really, really enjoy the security and balance that a job with an employer provides i know people like that in my very very personal life and other people are okay with the fear of taking the risk and knowing that it might not work out because that's very possible in a business of your own and what's something that you notice that a lot of your clients are struggling with i would say i think my clients struggle with just trusting themselves like just trusting that you know what they put out is going to be good enough. Um, maybe a little bit of perfectionism, like, oh, it needs to, and I think those two go hand in hand. Like you, we think that sometimes we've all been there where we're kind of scared to put out what we put out online. Like, oh my gosh, is this good enough? Are people going to laugh at me because I'm so new and everyone else there is so experienced? And I just tell them the same thing. I tell them every time, just get it out there. Just be yourself. Just put it out. Because if you're authentically and uniquely yourself, you are always going to be you're always going to do better in business than someone who is trying to be like the next person. Don't worry about, you know, obviously, you know, check for grammatical errors and things like that. You know, that perfectionism is fine. But when it comes to your message of, of maybe sharing your personal story and maybe you think it doesn't sound good enough, or you're worried if this is going to catch people's attention, just try to be yourself. And, and I think that doing that, you're already really a few steps ahead. What tips do you have for finding new clients? Um, I really love using Facebook to find clients. So I have a couple tips that you can use right now, like today, to find clients through Facebook. Um, Right now, if you are an online coach or service provider of some sort, first tip would be make sure that your profile is really geared up to look like you have some sort of business. You know, does your bio reflect that? Does your bio say, you know, I help you know, uh, creative entrepreneurs stand out using Pinterest strategy. I don't know, something like that, right? Um, one of my clients, she's a Pinterest strategist and she helps creative entrepreneurs specifically. You know, make sure that, that your profile reflects that. Is there content on your profile that exhibits um, that you uh, do this, who you help? 
what you help them do and what kind of results can they expect? You know, is your profile set up that way? Because those first impressions are so important online. Number two is get into some Facebook groups that are relevant to your niche. So if you are a female coach and you help service providers and other coaches like myself, you better believe you should be in groups that have a bunch of female coaches and service providers. Um, I think that's extremely important. You know, if you're in e-commerce and, or sorry, if you are a graphic designer who helps, um, say, brick and mortar stores with their marketing materials, probably you should be in Facebook groups that have to do with, um, you know, local local businesses, like say whatever your city is. Or maybe you work with just online entrepreneurs and you're a graphic designer who helps them. Well, maybe you should be in some Facebook groups that have those people in them have heavily saturated. And my last tip would be, and probably my strongest tip, is to really understand and go all in when it comes to networking and building relationships. Um, I definitely remember starting in my business and hearing people way above, you know, my, 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 uh, success level, I guess, uh, you could say, um, definitely really experienced coaches always saying, you know, network and build relationships. And I'd always kind of just be like, what the heck does that even mean? Like everyone says that kind of like roll my eyes and be like, okay, whatever. But now in the place that I am, and I'm, I'm grateful to be in it where I have built a really great coaching business and connected with so many amazing women and helped them build the business of their dreams. I know just how important it is to network and build those relationships. Um, I always tell my clients networking and building relationships is planting the seeds today and reaping the benefits tomorrow. So by tomorrow, I mean the relationships you start, if you say you start one conversation a day and genuinely get to know the person every day, you do that for five days a week, each day, that's a new relationship that's growing and building and being nurtured. And you might reap the benefits of that relationship a month from now, two months from now, three, maybe six months from now. I've had people who come back and message me. I just had yesterday someone actually message me after we chatted in October of last year about her business. Mm-hmm. She came back and asked and said, hey, I love how your Facebook group is growing. Mm-hmm. I've, I've loved seeing your journey over the past few months. And I wanted to see how much your program was so I can consider saving up for it and join it when I'm ready. I had someone who I spoke with in January who connected with me in April here and asked to join my group coaching program. Mm-hmm. So the, the the purpose is you need to build those relationships, but also like work on them. So nurture them, you know, don't just like, just because they didn't book with you at that one time, whatever your service may be, that doesn't mean that you should just drop off the face of the earth and forget that they exist. You know, you have to nurture those relationships and, provide value to them, check in on them, see how they're doing, add them to your email list, send them helpful things you've got. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you that's always going to come back tenfold for you. And how often do you follow up on them? I would say um, I'm only going to follow up if I can follow up with value. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm never going to be the type who's like, hey, um, uh, I know we had our sales call last uh, last week. I haven't heard from you. And then maybe two weeks pass by and I'm like, Hey, it's been a couple weeks and I just want to know what your decision was. Yeah, definitely never follow up that way, no matter what you do online. Um, it's just a really bad way to follow up, but it kind of makes the the fact obvious that they haven't gotten back to you even more like awkwardly obvious. We already know that the reason that you guys haven't chatted is because they haven't followed up with you. They didn't message you back. We mm-hmm. don't need to put the spotlight on them and make it uncomfortable. Instead, we should be making it as seamless and easy and take the pressure off of them. Um, as much as we can. Any, I always say this to my clients, if we can lower the barrier to prospects working with us, 
you're you're already doing so well. You know, if you are able to limit, lower the barriers to to someone working with you, you're doing great because then you're allowing it it to be very easy to work with you. And that can look like a lot of different things. That can look like the way you communicate with them, you reaching out first, not making them reach out. That can mean flexible payment plans. That could be following up when it's uh, a good, appropriate time. It can be a lot of things, but I really believe in putting in the heavy lifting and not letting the prospect do it um, because they'll probably be doing a lot of heavy lifting when they're in your coaching program. Like I know my clients are busting their butts when they're in my program. So the least I can do is message them first. So in terms of how often you should follow up with people, Follow up with your prospects if you actually have something of value to say. Say you created this new freebie and you've been sharing it all over online. Well, how about those 10 people you talked to last month that maybe didn't close with you? Well, go ahead and shoot them a quick message and say, hey, whatever their name is. Hey, I was thinking about you and our the last time we chatted, I, I hope you're doing well. Um, I actually recently put together this whatever freebie, and um, I think you might really like it because of what we talked about. Yeah. Insert whatever you guys talked about, especially if it's relevant for that freebie. And I would love for you to like, check it out and let me know what you think. That's starting up the conversation again, but it's also building the relationship. So you're following mm-hmm. up, but you're following up with value. So you're giving them something that's meaningful and important and actually really helpful for them. And that makes them start to trust you. That helps them start to like you even more. And eventually they're going to want to book with you when you ask for the sale again. Um, one thing that's really important to remember is that 80% of sales actually happen after five to 12 follow-ups. But only 20% of entrepreneurs are actually following up five to 12 times. So what that means is that 20% of entrepreneurs are actually capturing 80% of the sales. And I can confidently say that I'm in that 20% because I do follow up with people that I, if I truly feel like you're a great fit for my program, I'm going to follow up with you between that five to 12 times. I won't let go if I really, really think you're a good fit. And what different programs are you offering right now? I have for the longest had a one-on-one coaching program for eight weeks and I love it. And I love working with people one-on-one, but because as you know, with what's going on in the world and, and the pandemic, I realized that I needed to work with more people at once so I can help more people at once at, you know, at a quicker rate um, and also make it a lot more low ticket. Mm. And so what I did is I went and just launched a group coaching program and it's a four week it's called Book More Clients Bootcamp, and so it's about half the time of my eight-week program that's one-on-one, and it cost a whole lot less. And the reason I did that is because while I did want to create a group coaching program sometime down the road, I realized because of what's going on now, I just I just had to go out and do it. So I kind of practiced what I preach of what I told you earlier of like, yes, maybe your content's not perfect. Maybe everything's not perfect, but just go out and do it. Just, just, just have it done. Do it. Put it out there. Don't worry so much about the reception because – no matter how things do, we're always learning. If we get crickets from one post, great. Now we now we can track that and know what to do. Maybe we put out a launch and get just, you know, absolutely like nothing, no responses at all. Well, maybe we know what not to do next time or how we can sort of tweak things. So those are the two programs I offer. And I am in week three of with both groups. Um, one group is we just finished week two. One group already finished week three. And not to brag, but the results that they've been having just after week two and three, even in the first and second week, these ladies are completely crushing it, like having like six to eight new sales calls a week, booking two clients, and it's not even Wednesday. Um, One client, she just told me yesterday on our call, she told the whole group, she was like, you know, I used what you said for what I needed to post for my 
this I had gave them a homework for three pieces of content they need to write. She went and sent it to her email list and she booked two clients from that email who paid her in full. Mm-hmm. And just every single person has, I encourage them to share their things and kind of foster the relationship with people in the group. And they're kind of they're just like becoming fast friends. It's really cool to see. And I encourage them to share their wins. So it's really fun to see them every single day I wake up in the morning, literally every single day. And someone is sharing something positive and amazing that's been happening in their business because of this, you know, less than $200 boot camp that I put together for four weeks. And so I'm really thrilled that I was able to kind of show up and, and allow people to grow their online business for a low time commitment and a low money commitment. And how often are you posting on Facebook? It kind of varies. Um, as like, like a lot of humans, I definitely do struggle with consistency and getting organized. So, I, you know, I think I'm a great coach, but I definitely won't, you know, I'll bust your butt for posting, but sometimes I'm not perfect. And sometimes I may miss a post. Um, it's something that, you know, as you know, myself, I'm getting better with, and I, I'm more than happy to say that because, um, I believe in total honesty and transparency. And I tell my clients to do that as well. So I'm okay with telling you know, the world and anyone listening to this that, yes, sometimes I don't post as regularly as I should, you know, so what I'm human. Um, but I think the most important thing is acknowledging that know why and, um, result to, to change that, you know, to, okay, well, what are we going to do for next month? Are we going to kind of plan everything each Sunday? And that's kind of what I've been doing now. So May is going to look a lot different for me. Um, in the beginning part of April, I was so busy with my launch that I was posting content all the time. And then after the launch ended, I was working with my bootcamp clients, 10 ladies. So uh, not as much content has been posted lately, um, but a lot of networking and building relationships has still been happening. So I want people to know that just because you're not always posting content um, doesn't mean that, you know, you can't still grow your business in other ways. My business is still growing. It's still thriving. It's still doing amazing because I'm still talking to people on a daily basis and connecting and following up with people and starting new conversations. Um, even if I'm not posting tons and tons of content daily, um, I would say if you're a newer business, I would say at least at the very least three times a week, you should be posting either on a mixture of your profile as well. So like your profile, your audience, your email list, your, your blog, all areas in which your audience lives Um, but then also leveraging other people's audience. So like other people's groups, other people's podcasts, um, maybe getting a shout out on someone's email list, um, maybe being a guest blogger. Um, I think that's really important. So a lot of people do ask me that how often should I be posting? Well, it depends. Like what you put in is what you're going to get out. So the more often you do post more often you nurture and build relationships and do all those things on your audience and other people's audiences, you're going to get out a lot more. You're going to be getting a lot more attention, a lot more engagement, um, a lot more warm leads and ultimately a lot more of clients. And do you think you need a huge following in order to have an online business? Not at all. Not at all. Um, I remember just even before when I was, when I dabbled in YouTube, like so, so, so long ago, um, when I was a teenager, I was, you know, as I mentioned before, I've been in the beauty industry for a while so I really love that space and I was as a makeup artist working with companies but also just like as a beauty journalist and so I you know naturally was a beauty youtuber and um I had a I literally I I think I had like maybe either almost 3,000 or under 3,000 subscribers so really not a lot right especially mm-hmm. compared to like the people they have like 3 million subscribers or whatever right um but my most viewed video had half a million views 
So I truly think that, you know, just giving that very, very outdated example to any example to today, which I have an email list. And again, very open, very honest, very candid. Um, I have an email list that's under 200 people. I haven't worked on my email list for that long. It's not something I have, um, I have prioritized and wanted to prioritize for a really long time until recently. Um, and so my list is small. It's growing steadily. It's growing great, but it's still under 200. Um, and it converts extremely well. So <laughs> the majority of the people who are about, about exactly half, not majority, about half of the people who signed up for my boot camp had 10 total. Um, I could only take 10 in two separate groups of five each. And I had about half of the people come from my teeny tiny little email list. So it truly is all about putting out good content, you know, asking for the sale, you know, making sure that your content is valuable and then being consistent about those things. If you're, if you're doing those three things that it, it just proves that quality is over quantity. You know, um, I think if you're putting out, uh, putting out what your audience needs to see and what they're going to appreciate and take action for it doesn't really matter how small your audience is because I'd rather have a very small email list of like, you know, less than 200 people than having 20,000 people on there, which no one, no one does anything with my emails. And do you think sales are still happening right now? Definitely. Um, I think a lot of people are really scared. Um, they're worried that because of, um, the pandemic that, you know, because people are losing their jobs or that they're wary to spend money, that sales are maybe not happening as much. But honestly, sales are actually happening now more than ever. Um, I, I don't know about like luxury items and things to, you know, things that I can't speak to, but I can speak to my industry and people are investing now more than ever. Um, so uh, in learning how to become, uh, have an online business and become an online business owner. And so people like me who are female coaches and service providers were really needed more than ever, truly, um, because people want to be in this space desperately. Like I joked with my one of my clients the other day and I said, probably 100 new people are popping up every day wanting to start an online business. And she was like, yeah, probably more than that. And I was like, yeah, probably more than that. So it's a time for us to serve and really step up. And I think this time is going to shape um, two different types of entrepreneurs, that ones that um, kind of curl up in a ball and, um, wait for it to be safe again. And that's fine. It's their decision. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but then there's the other entrepreneur that, um, is going to step up, realize that this is a time to provide more value than ever and just serve the people that are in their audience, how they have been before, but stronger than ever. Products are selling, services are selling, nothing is shutting down. Mm-hmm. And what's some mindset tips you have for sales? Um, I would say kind of like I mentioned earlier about really just putting yourself out there, not waiting for things to be perfect. Just trust that what you're putting out as long as you're being yourself is okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and and not waiting for it to be so perfect, not comparing yourself to others. Um, another mindset tip I would say is, is kind of goes along with the habit, I suppose, um, is consistency and (laughs) consistently keeping your mind in the mode of consistency. So kind of telling yourself that, if you are consistent, results will come. Um, you need to, to prove to your mind and, and, and really convince your mind that if you are consistent, the, the hard work, those results will definitely be there. It will pay off. Um, and that's kind of difficult. Um, it's something that I've realized over time. I, I was speaking about it with my sister. I told her that I think a lot of people don't reach their goals is because to reach, to accomplish a goal, you have to have two things, I believe. One, you have to really, truly want it, like really bad. But two, you also have to believe that that is possible for you. 
right? So for example, when it comes to starting an online business, I think a lot of people want it. Sure. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people want the freedom of having an online business and working from home and being in their pajamas, like how I am right now. I'm literally just in my pajamas there. You know, I'm so comfy and it's great. And I love it. And then after this, I'm going to go visit my parents and hang out with them. Right. Mm. But the difference is people who really want it. And I mean, really, really want it. And we'll put in the work for it. That's a different kind of one. And that's not everybody. And then the number two is believing that it's actually possible for you. And I think that that's where I had a lot of trouble. I certainly was the number one part, the wanting it bad as hell for sure. I did. But the number two of believing, is this possible for me? Will it really work? Is this kind of a life, a life that I can live sustainably? Like, or am I just going to have to go back to work in some sort of nine to five or some sort of retail job that would just freaking kill me? And I struggle with that a lot. But once I realized that if I actually put in the work and really, really nurtured my audience and got consistent as hell, the results did pay off. Now it's just a matter of keeping it up. And kind of keeping your mindset strong and realizing that, yes, when you put in the, the, when you put in the hard work, it does pay off. It sounds so cliche guys. It really, really does. Um, but it's, it's not, it isn't, it's actually really true. When you, when you hustle hard as hell and you just go in and do the work, the results do, you can produce the results. It's just a matter of, okay, now I got to stay in this consistency mindset where I'm going to continue to stay doing this, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when I'm kind of tired, I'll put in the work, I'll plan, I'll organize. And I think people can, when they do that, they, um, they, they can eliminate that number two problem of the, I don't know if it's for me. What have your twenties been like so far? Wow. So, um, that's a good question. I am 24 now. And so in October I will be 25. So I guess that'll be my like midway point. And I kind of feel like I'm pretty much already there. Like every day is sort of just droning on and mixing into another. So I kind of feel like, is it like October already? It already feels like summer's kind of over before it even happened because of what's going on. Um, yeah. So I would say that my twenties have been just really interesting. Um, <laughs> Like like any other 20-something, I've gone through really rough breakups. I've gone through uh, uh, graduating college. I have gone through meeting new people, making new friends, realizing what friends were for you, what friends weren't for you, um, you know, working your first real job post-college, you know, not loving it, <laughs> for my case, getting fired, um, and and then kind of an unconventional thing for people in their early twenties, like myself of finding a job that I really love where it, it really doesn't feel like a job. And that's what I do today. So I don't think that that's common for people who are, I think it's uncommon for people to, to find a job that they truly, truly, truly love. I think that we live in a society where it's like, just do a job that like pays the bills and it's just respectable and it's just good. And you just, you just, they see work as just work. And I would love for that view and that kind of concept to change in our society. Um, and I think millennials are good about that. Um, I think that a lot of people rag on our age group saying that, oh, they're so selfish. So oh, they'll work a job and they'll quit after a month because they didn't like it. But what's so wrong with that? What's so wrong with that? You know, if you didn't like the job that you were in and say you're a young person, I, I actually applaud you for leaving that job. You should never work a job that you don't enjoy. Um, and so it might seem flaky and, 
I have friends and close personal people in my life who are in manager positions and they kind of joke about this, like, oh my gosh, millennials always job hopping. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, I think that you should work hard as, 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 as much as you can until you find the job that the career that really aligns with you and, and you feel like it's the perfect match for you. And so for me, I feel like I found that luckily very early in my life. I, almost wish it could have been earlier but I'm grateful that it is you know I'm 24 and that I get to live a life every single day where I don't work weekends <laughs> I wake up whenever I want I do whatever I want and I still make money um, and I get to help these amazing women all over the world um, create a life like that for them too and what advice would you give your 20 year old self like actually 20 like 20 <laughs> years old yes 20 years old. Wow. Okay. So where was I when I was 20? I was, I think my junior year of college. Yeah, I think so. Junior year of college. Um, I would say focus a little less on, um, personal affairs, like things like your relationship and just trivial things that I think are just not that important. And I'm a huge, like, Cupid, you know, I'm all, I love love. So it's very unlikely to say, don't focus on your relationship. But what I mean by that is kind of put more attention into your future and not a joint future with somebody else. I think when we're in love and we're young, we're just like, oh, my gosh, what's the next step with this person? And how does my life align with theirs? And what I need my 20-year-old self to do and what I want every 20-year-old to do is focused on your individual future, your future. And that might make people say to you that, oh my gosh, you're so selfish. Gosh, freaking Gen Z millennials are so selfish. All they do is think about themselves. Well, guess what? That's the time to think about yourself. Don't think about how your future is going to line up with your boyfriend or how, like, what you guys are going to do after college. Worry about your future because at the end of the day, people don't stay. People can leave you, but you cannot leave yourself. So when you graduate college, you better have a damn good idea of what you're going to do. And if it's something you're going to be passionate about. So my advice to my 20 year old self is just focus on your future. Don't focus about the personal trivial things in your life. Don't focus on other people and how they're going to affect and shape your life. Just focus on you, what your passions are, what you want to do post-college, if you're in college and um, what you're going to do to make your life look great. And are there any questions that you wish I would have asked you? Um, I think that not really, but I just think that my parting uh, tip or uh, some some insight, my wise 24-year-old, super old self can give to your viewers listening, uh, you know, the shit show of my 20s is um, don't feel that, that even if you're in college or if you're right now listening to Sophia's podcast and you're kind of considering college, um, no matter what place you're in, in that stage, don't feel like it's the only option for you to have a sustainable, amazing career that you love. Um, because Sophia and I have chatted before and I've told her that, you know, I kind of wish that I didn't go to college because I really, one, didn't need it. <laughs> Definitely didn't need to pay off those loans. <laughs> Luckily, I had paid them off, but, you know, it wasn't mm -hmm. fun to pay. Um, and I didn't need it. And I wish that post high school that I was like, you know, into this world, online business, maybe starting off somewhere in social media and then kind of working around and, and discovering those fields and then kind of landing upon coaching or who knows what I would have landed on if I started at 18. Um, but I just, I just want you guys to know that whoever's listening, that 
you don't have to follow the cookie cutter path of, okay, graduate college and then just get this job because you should always consider anything in life that you do to to advance yourself as an ROI. Will this action help me get somewhere? Will this action help improve my life? Will this action help me um, become more successful? Will it, you know, will it, will it push me and, 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 and challenge me? Will it help me grow? If the answer is no, any of those things, I don't think it's worth pursuing, you know? So for me, I, I wish I knew before college that it was going to be absolutely no ROI, you know, return on investment. Um, and, and I wouldn't have done it, but I just don't want anyone to feel like you must follow that path. And, and if you don't, then you'll never be able to have some sort of happy life. You can, and I, my other kind of tip would be if you already are in college and you're kind of following that path, but you have that passion, that small spark in you about starting an online business, light it up. Do it because you have nothing to lose. You're young. You have a lot of opportunity at your fingertips. You have the internet at your fingertips. And if you have, like, say you are a really good illustrator and you do some badass designs on Photoshop and it takes you, like, not even that long and you just love it and you just do it for fun. But you kind of are curious of how a life of, a bit, a life of an illustrator would look like full time do it, try it, just turn it into a little side hustle. If you feel that spark, like how I said earlier, some mm-hmm. people will feel that spark, light it up. If you feel it and don't be afraid to turn into a business, don't be afraid to leverage your skills for money and to, um, to turn your passion into a profit. Thank you so much for doing this. Where can people connect with you? Thank you, Sophia, for having me. Yeah. So I am on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram. So facebook.com slash Noshaba, N-A-O-W-S-H-A-B-A dot Ferdos, F-E-R-D-O-U-S. That's just my first and last name with a period in between. And on Instagram, I'm just Instagram.com slash Noshaba. So you just search me up with my first name, N-A-O-W-S-H-A-B-A, and you can find me there. And I would love to offer anyone who's listening, if it's okay with you, Sophia, yeah. um, anyone who is, you know, in their 20s or <laughs> You know, you can even be beyond your 20s. Sophia doesn't discriminate who listens to her podcast. But whoever is listening and is either has an online business or is kind of thinking of starting one just because it's something they might be passionate about, I am happy to offer um, uh, your listeners a 60-minute free one-on-one business strategy brainstorm session where we'll kind of like look at where you are and where you want to be. And if you have a current business, what you're currently doing to find leads and book them and kind of brainstorm our game plan to get you where you uh, should be. So you guys can email me directly at hello at noshaba.com. If you're interested in one of grabbing one of those spots, I do those for free five people a week. Um, and yeah. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you guys so much for listening. I would love if you guys can leave me a review on iTunes and please feel free to share this episode with anyone you think it would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.